Welcome to Impact Church's podcast with Pastor Travis Hearn. Pastor Travis also serves as the team pastor for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and has served Major League Baseball as the team chaplain for over a decade. Today, he leads us with a powerful and hope-filled message. We're so glad you're tuning in, and we believe that wherever you're listening from, that God will impact your life through today's message. I grew up, I was a little boy, and I lived in this tiny little home on Van Buren and 15th Avenue. Have you ever been down there? Uh, I actually have a picture of my house. This is... This is my first house that I lived in. It looked just like that. It's the same house. And I, uh, I'll never forget being a little boy and waking up in the middle of the night, like terrified because police officers were in my house. You can take the picture of the house down. Police officers were in my house and there was the red and blue lights outside of my window and they were in my house because while we were sleeping, some thieves had broken into our house and stolen stuff from us. In fact, in that same house, a different time, we came home. Only to find out thieves had again broken in and they stole a lot of stuff. They stole many items. They, they even stole a washer and dryer. Like Maryville don't play around, you know. And they stole this watch that my great grandpa Hearn had given me. Still today, over 40 years later, if I see a gold colored watch, it makes me think about that watch that my grandpa, my great grandpa had given me just down the road from my house was my elementary school. I used to walk there cause we lived that close Isaac elementary and I had a brand new box of crayons that some punk kid stole from me. I think that whole block is just a bunch of crooks. I don't know if it's that way today. <laughs> It can't all be that way. You know, there's nothing like the feeling of being stolen from. There's nothing like the feeling of a stranger in your house, in your space, breaking in and rummaging around through your personal stuff and then stealing what's yours, taking for themselves What does not belong to them. Taking for themselves what they have no right to have. You feel violated. You you feel vulnerable. You feel scared. And and upset. And you know the Bible says in John 10.10. And I preached this many times through 2023. That it describes Satan as a thief. In fact, it says the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. 
But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Listen, the devil wants to catch you sleeping. The devil wants to catch you sleeping. He's very patient and he's waiting for you to fall asleep. He's waiting for you until you're not looking anymore, until you're not paying attention. The devil wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your marriage. He wants to steal your child. He wants to steal your family, your relationships. He wants to steal your health, your mind, your confidence. He wants to steal your purity. He wants to steal your God-given identity. He wants to steal your calling, your purpose. He, He wants to steal your hope. His end game though, his end game, he doesn't want to steal your stuff. He wants to steal your soul. And man, the devil has stolen way too much from me in my family. And he's stolen way too much from you in your family. My question to you is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I, I love what young David said when he was wanting to, you know, go against the champion fighter Goliath. And he's like begging King Saul, like, let me at him. And King Saul's like, David, you're just a little boy, man. You're just a boy. He's a champion fighter. You don't stand a chance. I I love David's response to that. In in, in 1 Samuel 17, look at it with me. He says, but King, I, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. He said, when a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. I love those first four words in verse 35. I go after it. I go after it. I go after it. That's what happens when somebody takes something from me. I'm going after it. Impact Church, look at somebody right now and tell them, I'm going after it. I'm going after my stuff this year. And so therefore, I declare... That the year of 2024 is the year of the take back and we are going after it and we are going after all of it. I'm taking back what is mine. Is anybody with me today? I'm not going to sit back any longer and watch the devil take my stuff because that is my stuff. That is God's stuff. That is my child. That is my marriage. 
That is my family. That is my health. That is my joy. That is my peace. That is my calling. That is my purpose. And I'm going after it. I'm coming and I'm going to grab every last thing that the enemy stole from me because it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. Look at somebody and tell them, it's mine. It's mine. Look at somebody and tell them it's mine. It's mine. I'm coming for it. I'm coming for it. I'm coming for it. So Satan, I'm serving you notice today that in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I'm coming after it and we're taking it back. We're taking all of it back. And on behalf of my impact church family, we're taking all of it back for them too. We're taking all of it back, all of it back, all of it back because it is not yours. It was never yours and it will never be yours. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. It's God's. It's mine. Father, I pray in Jesus' name today as we look to your word, God, that you speak to us. God, we declare 24 is the year of the take back. This is our take back here. This is our take back here. God, speak. Let us have the ears to hear, the eyes to see, the heart to feel, the mind to understand. We pray this in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. amen. I want you to look at somebody and tell them never, never. Just tell them never, never. Tell them I'm never doing this in 24. Tell them I'm never going to do. You don't even know what you're not going to do, but you're about to know what you're not going to do. Tell them I'm never doing this in 24. I'm making you make a promise that you don't even know what you're committing to. Some of you are afraid. My outline for you today is four things that you are never going to do in 2024. You're never going to do these things in 2024. Never. I mean, never. Really, never, ever, ever. But we're going to start with 24. But ever. You're never, ever, ever going to do these. If you're ready for point one, let me hear you say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Never, never, ever, ever stop believing. Never stop believing. Say it out loud. Never stop believing. Come on, shout it out loud. Never stop believing. I am never going to stop believing. The enemy cannot steal my belief. He cannot steal it. He cannot have my belief, my faith, my hope. I'm keeping it. It's mine and I'm never going to let go. Listen, all things are possible with God. How many know that to be true? All things are possible with God. Jesus said with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things, he didn't say some things. He said, all things are possible. You might see it as a mountain, but God sees it as an opportunity 
for a miracle. It's what he does. Miracles. It's what he does. I love Isaiah 43. It says, forget the former things. Look at somebody and say, you really do need to forget about it, man. I asked you to do something. Look at somebody and tell them with your voice, your words. They need to hear you say it. You need to forget about it, man. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. That would be life changing if we applied that verse right there. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is making a way. He's making a way. He's making a way. He is making, never stop believing. Never stop. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Forget the former things. Stop dwelling on it. Forget about what that doctor told you. Forget about what that bad relationship. Forget about what those critics said. Forget about that failure. That was so 2023, man. We are going to move forward. Forget about what the situation looks like because your eyes tend to tell you lies. Forget about it. Forget about it. Keep the faith. Never, never, I will never, I will never stop believing and hoping in Jesus' name. I will never stop. Never, ever, ever. I'm believing for my own life. I'm believing for my own family. I'm believing for your family. I will never stop believing. Keep the faith. Be filled with hope. The Bible says in Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope, he's a God of hope, fill you. Listen to this. With all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody in 24 want to live in the overflow of God's goodness for your life and God's richest blessings and favor for your life that I can overflow with hope that I can't, I, I don't just have an ounce of hope, a drip of hope, a drop of hope that my hope cup's not half full. No, it's overflowing with hope because of God. It says, David said, This in the book of Psalm, he said, and I will hope in your name for your name is good. I will hope in your name for your name is good. In Bible times, names of people had a lot more meaning than they do today. You know, today we name people because it sounds cool. In Bible times, It had meaning. It was a description of their character. You were given a name that lined up with who you are. Like if that was the case today, I wonder what your name would be. Who? In the Old Testament, there was a guy named Joshua. The Hebrew name of Joshua is Yeshua. Yeah, Yeshua means my deliverer. 
Yeshua, Joshua, delivered the Israelites out of bondage and into the promised land. Do you know what Joshua is in the New Testament in Greek? Jesus. And Jesus delivers us from our bondage into freedom and into our promised land. Jesus is my hope. He is my blessed hope. That's why it doesn't matter what's going on around me. Because I got the joy of Jesus going on within me. He's my hope. You know, you need not have to have a lot of hope. Just a little hope. Just a little hope. Just a little dab of do you. You know, a little dab of do you. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. That you can say to this mountain, move and it shall move. Mustard seed faith. A little bit of faith. Man, I don't even have a lot of belief, a lot of hope, a lot of faith. Man, I just need enough, a little. Maybe today you're here and you're like, man, PT, I don't even know if I have mustard seed faith right now. I need mustard. I'm barely believing right now. My faith is being tested. I feel that. I feel that. You want more faith? How many like more faith in 2024? I certainly would. You want more faith? I'm going to tell you how to grow more faith. It says in Romans 10, 17, let's read this one out loud together. Romans 10, 17, ready? Here we go. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I got some advice for you. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're giving your ears to. Be careful what you're giving your eyes to. Because what you give your ears and your eyes to is what you're going to give your soul to. That's what you're going to give your heart to. Be careful what you give your heart to, your mind to. Be careful. Listen, find a promise in God's word. And put your ears and eyes on that promise until it becomes a reality. I'm going to cling to the promise of God. The truth is, my own family has been going through hell for quite some time now. There are times where for me it looks hopeless. See, the thing about pastors is we got to go through hell too. And we got to walk through storms too. And we got to walk through fires too. And our faith is tested too. The only difference between me and you is that I still got to get up and preach through it. The only difference is that I can cry my eyes out until I don't have another tear to shed. I can be distressed and I can be distraught. And I still got to stand up here and preach God's word to you. And there are days where things start to look hopeless. 
Doubt starts to rise in my faith. It starts to shrink and doubt tries to creep in and steal my faith. Do you know when it starts to look hopeless? It's when I listen to the wrong voices and I'm looking at the wrong things. It's when my focus gets out of whack. It's when I start focusing too much on the situation and not enough on my savior. It's when I focus too much on the problem and not on God's promise. Find a promise. Do you know the Bible is a book of promises? Do you know that there are over 7,000 promises for your life in the Bible? God gave my family and I a promise. This is our promise. First Peter chapter five, verse 10. It says in the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. That's a promise and I'm going to cling to it. That's a promise and I'm going to hold on to it. And God keeps showing me that same scripture when I'm not even looking for it in places where I wasn't even expecting it. That's my promise. I don't know what you're going through today, Impact Church, but I want you to know that there is still hope. There is always hope because we serve a God of hope and the devil will try to convince you that there's no hope, but we all know that the devil is a liar and the truth is not in him because the truth is with God, all things, all things, all things, all things, all things are possible. And God is a way maker and he is a healer. And he is a restorer and he is a deliverer and he is a redeemer. And there's no situation too messed up for God. There's no sin too dark for God to forgive. There's no heart that is too broken for God to put back together. There's no body that is too sick for God to heal. There's no marriage that's too broken for God. So don't ever Ever, 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 ever stop believing. Keep on believing. Number two. If you're going to take back what the enemy stolen in 24, you better never, ever stop praying. Some of you actually need to start praying. How about that idea? You know, it's like, well, all we can do is pray about it. All you can do. How about we make prayer our first choice and not our last resort? You know, all we can do is pray about it. Wow. Has it come to that? Like (laughs) never stop praying. The Bible says in Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope. Let's read it out loud. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, man, that's hard and faithful in prayer. Stay faithful in prayer. Remain diligent in prayer, persistent in prayer. Guess what? The devil can't steal my prayer life. 
That's mine. That's my time with God. That's my communication with my creator. That's when God speaks to me. No matter how tough life gets. No matter how dark life gets. How hard life gets. How trying life gets. I must never stop praying. Do you know why? Because prayer is my superpower. Prayer is your superpower. Some of y'all ain't tapping into the superpower. You just worry about everything and gripe about everything, complain about everything, moan and groan and bellyache about everything. But if you would actually start to talk to the creator of the universe about everything, prayer would become your superpower. One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of James. It's five chapters long and it's great. If you've never read it, you should do that today. It's great. I memorized the book of James in Bible school because I needed what it said. And it is great. I'll give you an example. James chapter 3 talks about managing your mouth. (laughs) It's great. It talks about managing your mouth. Just for example. The book of James is incredibly powerful and practical. James was the half-brother of Jesus himself. They shared the same mother, but had different daddies. (laughs) Some of y'all figured that one out later on today. (laughs) And James, early church historians have written... In Bible history books, theology books, that James had knees so callous that it looked like he had knees of a camel because he prayed so much. In the book of James, in the final chapter of chapter 5, he says this. In verse 13, he says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. And pray for each other so that you may be healed. Here it is. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That is why I'll never stop believing and I'll never stop praying. Because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The moment that you stop praying. Is the same moment you lose power. It doesn't matter where you are in life. That's the great thing about prayer. It doesn't matter where you are spiritually, emotionally, relationally, geographically. 
It doesn't matter if you're high. It doesn't matter if you're low. You can always pray to God. One of the craziest prayers to me uttered in scripture is this guy named Jonah. He prays from inside the belly of a fish. I want to read to you Jonah chapter two, verse one and two. He says from inside the fish. I have never prayed from inside of a fish. That would be dope. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. Listen, some of you need this because you're inside the belly of a fish today. You are distressed. Your life has sunk down deep. Life is dark. You feel scared. You feel trapped. You feel all alone and like nobody sees you, feels you, or understands you. But I want you to know today that God does. God sees you. God hears you. And God understands you. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me from the depths of the grave. I called for help and you listened to my cry. Prayer must always be your first choice, not your last resort. In second Chronicles in chapter 20, there's this uh, king and his, his, his name is Jehoshaphat which is the weirdest name ever. I would never name my child Jehoshaphat. (laughs) But his name is Jehoshaphat. And there's this moment when the king, he gets some terrifying news, life-threatening to he and all of Israel. And the life-threatening news is that there are three nations that are more powerful than we are. That have bigger armies than we do. And they have formed an alliance and they are going to invade Israel. And I love verse 3 of 2 Chronicles 20. Because the king's response, it says, alarmed. Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast. Somebody say fast. For all Judah, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Listen, Impact Church family, it is time to pray and fast because we are under attack. I am under attack. My family is under attack. My children are under attack. You are under attack. Christianity is under attack. Morals are under attack. Biblical values are under attack. Marriage is under attack. Your identity, it is under attack. And the odds are stacked against us. Satan has an alliance of demons and he is trying to invade your life and take everything that's yours. 
It's time to pray and fast. It's time to pray and fast. We are starting a 21 day fast as a church. It starts today. I didn't give y'all warning. I'm sorry about that. The fast starts today. Listen to me. I, I have a question. How many have ever done a fast? Hold on, don't raise your hand. For spiritual reasons, raise your hand. Okay, not like the doctor said you need to fast because you have a procedure in the morning. Like you fasted, let, let's do it the other way and it's totally okay. But how many never have done a fast for spiritual reasons? It's fine, raise your hand, it's okay. Okay, okay, great. That gives me a good understanding of, of where we are today. A spiritual fast, let me explain. It's not enjoyable. There is nothing about a spiritual fast that I look forward to. Because a biblical spiritual fast is when I deny myself food for whatever that period of time is. And instead of eating, I pray and read God's word. Oh, I know. I know. You're like, yeah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> I'll read God's word and pray, but I ain't not eating. The thing about a fast, a biblical fast, a biblical fast is that your body craves food and it can go for only so long before it starts to get hungry. And then you want to eat. And that's when you say, Man does not live on bread alone, but on the very word of God. And I'm going to fast. You can fast really anything. You can fast social media for the next 21 days. Some of you would be like, oh my gosh, that's torture. You could fast TV. For the next 21 days, you could fast CNN and Fox News for 21 days. You could fast video games. I know, I know, torture for 21 days. Fasting is not only not doing something that you always do. It's replacing it with prayer and Bible scripture reading. But a true biblical fast is fasting food. Not eating fast food for 21 days, but fasting food. Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. The body craves food and cannot live without eating or getting hungry. Fasting is hungering for God more than I hunger for the things of this world. Fasting draws you closer to God. You say, why would I fast? <laughs> it draws you closer to God. Listen, if you're desperate 
for a miracle, it's time to pray and fast. If you're desperate for a breakthrough, it's time to pray and fast. If you're desperate for a family member, it's time to pray and fast. If you're desperate for your marriage, it's time to pray and fast. All throughout scripture, God's people fasted right before a major victory. Moses fasted before he received the Ten Commandments. Daniel fasted before he received guidance from God. Nehemiah fasted before he rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. Jesus fasted and defeated temptation. Look at the scripture again. We're being invaded. The odds are against us. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat, he resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. So I want you to join me in a 21 day fast that ends on January 27th. We have this QR code. I want you to take your phone out right now and scan it, scan it. Scan it because this gives all the details of the fast. It gives a daily devotional to the fast. I'm inquiring of the Lord and I am calling and proclaiming a fast for all of impact church. You get to decide what you want to fast. You get to decide how serious you need God to do something big in your life. And then it says Then King Josephat, he went and stood before them and he prayed aloud. Man, I love this. Do you guys like to study like successful people? I like to study successful people. I don't really care about what they're doing. I want to know how they got there. I like to study in the Bible prayer lives of individuals. It says that he prayed. And I started thinking, what did he pray? And this is good. I got to tell you, because it's three things that he, he, he prayed for that we can apply to our own prayer life today. He prayed, are you not? Did you not? And will you not? Are you not? I'm talking to God. God, are you not? Lord, the God of our ancestors, Are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. Power and might are in your hand. No one can withstand you. Are you not the God who is in heaven? Are you not? Did you not? Our God, did you, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Are you not? Did you not? God, will you not? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. 
God, I don't know what to do about my situation, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do about my child, but my eyes are on you. I don't know what to do about my health, but my eyes are on you. God, I don't know what to do about my marriage, but my eyes are on you. God, I don't know what to do about this situation, but God, are you not the God who is in heaven, who rules over the kingdoms and the nation, whose power and might are in your hand? No one can withstand you, God. God, are you not? Are you not the same God that did many miracles in my life before? God, will you not do it again? Are you not going to do it again? God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Look at God's response in verse 15. Look at this. He says, listen. King fat. (laughs) And all you who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. The battle is not yours, but God's. (laughs) Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. I will never stop praying in 24. Number three, never unplug yourself from the body of Christ. Look at somebody and tell them it's about to get real. The devil wants to steal you away from your church family. Because that's your other superpower. He wants to take you out of your church family so that he can take you out. I've got to stay connected to the body of Christ. I want you to speak life to somebody right now. And tell them, stay connected. Stay connected. And I mean desperately connected to the body of Christ. Like your life depends on it because it does. It does. The book of Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says... Let us not neglect meeting together. It means going to church as some have made a habit, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Have you ever heard somebody say like, I'm a Christian. I just don't go to church. Anybody ever heard somebody say that? That's an oxymoron. That's a moron. (laughs) really it is yeah I'm a Christian I just don't go you're not it'd be like me saying I'm married to Natalie but I only go home and see her on Easter and Christmas (laughs) that's not marriage he he says don't give up the habit somebody say habit. habit habit going to church is a habit By the way, 
is one of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's right in there with don't murder. Like, don't, don't commit adultery. Don't, don't, don't lie, don't steal, don't covet. Go to church. It, it will change your life. Listen, the more connected you are, the more protected you are. The more you're plugged in, listen, the more power you have. Some y'all are completely unplugged from the body of Christ. You don't even know why you're in church today. You're like, I don't even know how I end up here this morning. You're completely disconnected from the body of Christ. So you are powerless. You're powerless. You're vulnerable. You're in a danger zone for your life. Others of you, you got a, you got a loose connection. Those are the ones that drive me crazy. Some got a loose connection. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it don't. You can't depend on that. Some of you got a loose connection, which means you're also powerless. I said this two weeks ago. The devil wants you isolated. He loves that. I'm a Christian. I just don't go to church. He loved that. He probably planted that seed in their heads. I'm a Christian. I just don't go to church. He loves that because he wants you isolated and disconnected from the body of Christ because he knows that's part of where your power comes from. He will do anything he can to disconnect you from the body of Christ. He knows that if he can isolate you, he can annihilate you. That is why he targeted Jesus in the desert because he was by himself alone The devil will try every trick he can try to disconnect you from the body of Christ. Listen, I'll just take it a little bit bit further. Some of you, you attend Sunday service every Sunday, but you're still not connected to the body of Christ. Connection comes through relationship. Through relationship. That's connection. That's the glue that holds the family of God together. It's not my fault. It's not, it's not our fault. Some of you are like, yeah, I've been coming for four years. I don't know anybody. I'm not connected. Not our fault. We literally have things every single day of the week for you to get involved and get connected with. It's not my fault. You you can say it is because you're trying to justify your foolishness and your laziness. It's not my fault that you have no power. The more, the more connected, the more protected. Do you know that the single fastest way to grow spiritually is to be surrounded by and connected to the family of God? The single fastest way. Do you know that God, God tricked me 
into being surrounded by and connected to the body of Christ. He did. He tricked me. I didn't even know it was coming. I, I, I told a story, part of my testimony two weeks ago. I, I preached a sermon and I, I, my sermon was called, Come Home, It's Getting Dark. And I preached that sermon. I shared part of my testimony. And I told you guys at 17 years old, I got a DUI. But that same night, I began a relationship with Jesus Christ. What I didn't tell you was that because of my DUI, I had some consequences. Anybody know anything about consequences? I had some consequences. I got suspended from my senior year baseball season. I got my driver's license suspended for a year. I got hit with all these fees I had to pay. And then they ordered me to fulfill several several hundred of hours of community service. And guess where they directed my community service to? The church I just got saved in. So now, for several hundred hours, I'm at church all day, every day. I'm not playing a sport because I got suspended. Which therefore meant I'm at church even in the evening because I'm trying to fulfill these hours. Which means I'm no longer around the old people I used to be around. And now I'm around all these men and women of God every day, all day for hundreds of hours. And I'm here to tell you today that I absolutely would not be who I am or your pastor today without the community service hours. He tricked me. And they were like nerds. They weren't my people at first. But man, they love Jesus. They love God. They didn't play any sports. They were nerds. But they love Jesus. You know, there's a bond with brothers and sisters who love Jesus. Like there's no bond in the world. That bond, there's nothing like it today. They're still some of my dearest friends. I got tricked into it, man. You've heard me talk about the redwood trees before. I I love redwoods because they're an interesting study. A redwood tree can grow up to 350 feet tall. That's a tree. 20 feet in diameter. You could drive a car through it. That's a tree. And when you go to the forest and you see all these redwoods, it's impressive. But you know what's crazy about redwood trees is even though they can grow to 350 feet high and 20 feet in diameter, their roots are really shallow. They only go down about five feet. But you know what's crazy? Is that when the winds and the rains and the earthquakes and the storms come, they still stand. Even with those shallow roots. Because they're shallow, 
but they spread out wide and they're all connected to hundreds of other redwood trees. So when the storms of life come, the tree can't come down. You're going to have to take down the whole forest. Impact Church, the body of Christ is the same way. If you will intertwine your roots with the family of God, nothing is going to be able to take you down. Because I'm not going to let it. And you're not going to let it. And we are not going to let it. Because we are the family of God. And I'll fight for you and you're going to fight for me. Don't unplug from the family of God. Number four. In 2024. If you're going to take back what the enemy stolen. You can never ever stop praising. Never. I will never let the enemy steal my praise. No matter how hard life gets, no matter how lonely life gets, no matter how heavy life gets. And let me tell you something, man, life gets heavy. But you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah in chapter 61. It says for the spirit of heaviness, it says to put on the garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness to put on the garment of prayer that I'm feeling heavy and I'm feeling down and I'm feeling it. But you know what? I'm going to praise God anyway. I'll never let the devil steal my praise. Praise is the power that sets me free. The story of Jehoshaphat is a story of praise. It is. It's a story of praise. This is crazy because you got three enemy nations that are surrounding us that want to take us down and there's going to be an invasion and they start coming and they're on the offensive and then I want to read to you in second chronicles chapter 20 it says this in verse 21 after consulting the people the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army Singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they say. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. I'm just saying, like, could you imagine like we're about to go into battle and we got an army and they're like really good at what they do. And you're like, you know what, Daniel, Amelia, I need you guys to go out in front of everybody. (laughs) Good luck with that. Because we're going to lead with praise. We're going to lead with praise. We're not, we're not going to come praise from behind and catch up to it. We're going to lead with praise. And then it says at that very moment, they began to sing and they began to give God praise. And the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, of Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and they killed every one of them. And after they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Imagine that. Praise is what set them free. What even happened? I don't know. (laughs) All I know is praising in the face of your enemy confuses the enemy. 
All I know is when you've been diagnosed with stage four cancer and you praise God anyway, that confuses the enemy. All I know is when your wife left you and you're going to praise God anyway, that confuses the enemy. All I know is that when you're going through hell and you say, God, I'm going to praise you anyway. It confuses the enemy. I wonder if in 2024 we can stop praying about our problems and start praising God for his promise. You know, praise is thanking God in advance. Praise is thanking God anyway. Praise is, it's verbalizing your faith. I know this is Scottsdale and we all got to just stand here like we're all sophisticated and successful and educated and like, like we're not going to open our mouths, but like, man, until you, until you get into a place where you need Jesus desperately, you're not going to understand the type of praise and the type of prayers I'm talking about because praise, real praise. It's not sophisticated, homie, real praise. It's not sophisticated. God doesn't care about education. God doesn't care about money. He doesn't care about earthly worldly success. God cares about your soul, your soul. Your soul. There's this verse in Hebrews and it says, I'll read it to you. It says, in fact, I want us to read this together. Hebrews 13, 15. Ready? Here we go. Let us continually offer God a sacrifice of praise. Let's, let's read it. Ready? Let us continually offer God a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise. You know what a sacrifice of praise is? A sacrifice of praise is when I praise God and I don't feel like it. A sacrifice of praise is when I feel like griping, but I'm going to praise God anyway. I give God praise when I feel like complaining. I give God praise when somebody did me dirty. I give God praise when I'm feeling sorry for myself. I give God praise. That's a sacrifice of praise. I I think of it like this. I I call it ugly praise versus pretty praise. Pretty praise is when life is good, man. Life is good. My job's good. I got a promotion. I just got married to the woman, the man of my dream. Life is good, PT. I just got pregnant with our first child. Praise God. God is good. Praise God. Pretty praise is not a sacrifice of praise. Ugly praise, that's the sacrifice. And you haven't truly praised God. Until you've given God ugly praise. You haven't truly praised God. Until you've given God a sacrifice of praise. Because this is going to take everything in my soul. It's going to take every emotion I have. God to give you praise. Because I'm terrified for my life right now. Because I'm terrified for my situation right now. God I praise you anyway. I praise you anyway. David said in Psalm 34. He said I praise the Lord no matter what happens. Can you do that? Can you praise God no matter what happens? I will constantly speak of his glories and grace. I will boast of his kindness to me. Let all who are discouraged take heart and let us praise the Lord together and exalt his name. Maybe you remember a guy in the Old Testament named Joseph. Joseph had 11 brothers and they all 
were jealous of him because Joseph's daddy liked Joseph better. Joseph's daddy bought him a really cool, colorful Gucci jacket. And his brothers were all jealous of the jacket. And the Bible says that his brothers were so jealous and so envious of Joseph that they took him into the middle of the wilderness and they threw him into a pit to leave him for dead. But there was one brother. His name was Judah. And he came back to rescue him. And Judah pulled him out of that pit. And I don't think it's any mistake in God's word that the name Judah means praise. In other words, it's praise that rescued him from that pit. It's praise that saved that man's life. It's praise that saves your life. It's praise that sets you free. It's praise that rescues you. It's praise that pushes back the forces of hell. It confuses the enemy. Father God, we come before you today. And we declare that 2024 is the year of the take back. We are taking it back. All of it. All of it. Everything that the enemy has taken. We're taking it back. We're taking it back. Maybe you're here today. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've never become a Christian today. I want to offer you God's free gift of salvation. You don't have to do anything for it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do good deeds for it. You don't have to check boxes. It's a free gift of salvation that you may have life and have life abundant. Will you accept that free gift? Jesus paid for it. It was paid on that cross. He paid it. All you have to do is say today, Jesus, I acknowledge you as my Lord, as my Savior. I confess, I believe that you are my Savior. Thank you for unconditional love. Thank you for paying the price for me in my sins. Thank you for giving me a fresh new start in life today. And God, I come on behalf of my entire Impact Church family. I stand here. And I am resolving to inquire of the Lord as I proclaim prayer and fasting for our church family. God, are you not the God who is in heaven, the ruler of the kingdoms and the nations? God, did you not drive out these inhabitants? Have you not done this before? God, will you not do it again? God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God, we're going to give you praise anyway. We're going to give you praise anyways. We are going to praise your mighty, holy, powerful name. 
We're going to praise anyways. For some of you today, it might be some ugly praise. But I want you to stand to your feet right now. And I want you to give God praise anyway. Come on, give God praise anyway. God, we give you praise today. We give you praise today. We give you praise today. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and get you more connected. Visit impactchurch.com for more information about our church and how you can get plugged in here with us. Be sure to subscribe and share today's message with your friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to hear how God has made an impact in your life.